AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you and welcome once again to the Church of the Week program. It is my great honor to be here with you once again this weekend. You know, I've been thinking about a very popular verse, and for the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about the B-side. I don't know if some of you remember when you had vinyl, when we used to buy records, and uh, we used to play the other side of the album, especially the 45, when it had the the popular song on the A, and then they just put something on B. And uh, every once in a while, you would flip the 45 over, and there would be a good song on the B-side. And I think the Bible is full of great B-side. Isaiah 6, you probably are thinking already, uh, the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and you know that whole, that whole story. But there, there's, a, there's a B-side not too far down in that passage when, uh, when Isaiah says, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And there's, there's a process that begins after that revelation. And he goes on to say, uh, the passage goes on to say, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, and he says, Here I am, send me. But what I love is the beginning of that next verse. This, and, then, and we're talking about Isaiah 6, 8 and 9. And he says, God says, God speaking, responding to Isaiah. And he says, yes, go and say. The rest of the passage is going to, you know, requires some translation and some interpretation. But just that right there, I, I want to I give you this today to, to think about and to consider. Because a lot of times we want to say, here I am, Lord. But we want to skip the approval process. We want to skip the preparation process. We want to skip the, the, the time where Isaiah felt bad. He said, I'm done. I'm not worthy. I'm good for nothing. I've been exposed to this thing. And now I'm going to die. But God says no. And, and the angel comes and touches his lips. And he is purified. And, and now God says, okay, now I can use you. Now I can send you. Now I can, I can uh, have you be my messenger and a lot of times that approval process is something that we like to say disqualifies us because we're sinful, because we've done some things. And God says, it's not disqualifying you. I'm actually using it to qualify you, mm-hmm. qualify you to reach those that are lost, qualify you to reach those that are struggling through depression and struggling through the different things that you yourself have, have struggled through in the past. So don't disqualify yourself. Allow yourself to go through the process and let's seek God's approval in that yes, go and say. So I want to challenge you today. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't feel bad that you've been through some stuff, that you have some, some testimony. Uh, but understand that even though you have that, God will use you. Amen. And so God bless you. I'm here in the studio uh, once again today. And uh, I'm here with a man of God. And I want to, something that I say often and uh, I want to say it again today. I understand and I feel like God and we all appreciate the, the evangelists that travel the world and they jump on a plane and they're in, in different continents 
every other day. Uh, but I feel like God has a special place in his heart. And I know in my heart for the pastors of the city, for those men, for those women that stay. They, they pastor, they preach the word, they challenge us, they discipline us, they love us, and then they don't jump on a plane. They stick around and they answer our, our call and, and, uh, and, and they call us. And I thank God for that. And I'm sure you listening today appreciate your pastor. And I want you not to take him or her for granted. Let him know this weekend how much, how much you appreciate their ministry. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say something else. If you, if you feel like you want the world to know how great your pastor is, give us a call. And, and I would love to interview your pastor. And, and find us on, on am630theword.com and, and put a message on there on the chat. And you can address it straight to me, to Marcus. And uh, I'll contact your pastor and, and interview him or her and bring him on the radio. And it will be great. But today, I have the great privilege of being on the air and, and having in studio with us uh, Senior Pastor of New Braunfels Bible Church, Pastor Phil Cogden, and I'm so happy that you're with us today. Pastor Phil, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Marcus. It's great to be here. Uh, I want to introduce the world to, to you uh, and, and just a little conversation that we had. You are pretty well-traveled in just five minutes of conversation. You told me of some of your travels. and uh, so. But I want the listening audience to hear from your heart today. Tell me a little bit. Some of my, some of my questions are, you know, are you a PK are, are, are you from San Antonio? Give me a little bit of that of that history. If you sure, uh, Marcus. I'm uh, not from Texas. Uh, there's an old saying, I, I'm not a Texan, but I got here as quick as I could. Yes. That's not exactly true either. It took me about 50 years. But I was born in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon. Uh, my father was not, strictly speaking, a, a pastor, but he taught Bible college in Portland. I was raised in a large family. I'm one of 12 children. Uh, we grew up in that family. And uh, I came to my personal faith in Jesus Christ uh, at my mother's knee when I was five years old. Wow. Uh, you don't have a great deal of theology at five years. I think you understand that uh, that life is a bigger issue than than you can understand. And at that time, all I w would say is that I was afraid of going to hell. Mm -hmm. And I had heard about that, and I I didn't want to go there. And I had brothers and sisters who were older than me who had trusted in Jesus Christ. And my mother was very gentle, very clear, explaining to me in a way that a five-year-old can understand it, because the gospel is not a complicated thing. Right. Uh, it doesn't take a, a rocket science degree to understand it. In fact, Jesus even said that, uh, that if we came to him, we needed to come as a child. And she explained that I had sinned and that sin separated me from God, but God had taken care of that by sending Jesus, his son, to pay the price for my sin. And if I would receive by faith his gift, he would give it to me. It was free. And I prayed. And at that time, Marcus is interesting, my, in my family, we had devotions at night. Yeah. And we would read a, a chapter from the Bible and, and sing some songs and, and pray. And she took me to, uh, to the living room and stood me in front of my siblings and said, now, Phil, tell everyone what you've done. 
and my father and mother and brothers and sisters are there. And, and I remember that I cried, uh, and I didn't know why. But it was interesting that that was that is an event. My mother was so wise because that event was a, a reminder to me all through my life, through the rough times that inevitably come. Phil, when you were five, mm. you trusted Christ as your Savior. So that's sort of the beginning of my, yeah. my, my journey. I agree. That is such a wise moment, uh, that opportunity she gave you, not only to accept him, but to announce it. I, I tell people uh, when they make a decision for Christ and or there's that, that moment in their life, that, that transitional moment, you know, I tell them, remember that day. I re- remember that date, not only the, the day, Sunday, but the date, 10, 18, 87, for example. You know, October 18th of 1987. Well, that was the day. Remember that day. Because when doubt comes into your mind, hmm. when the enemy attacks you and, and, and you feel like you're, oh, I'm not a Christian. Oh, I messed up. You could have, hold on to that date. And I say, and I tell them, you know, remind him of 10, 18, 87. <laughs> On that day, I gave my life to Christ, and I no longer live. Now, Christ lives in me, and the life that I live, I live by faith in, in Jesus. And so that, that really gives you something to hold on to. And that, that is, that is very, I, I love that statement. I lo- I'm going to remember that testimony about you because that is, that is so important. And even at such an early age, to give you that gift to say, I remember that day. I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to guess. Five. I was there five. You <laughs> how old you are today? <laughs> oh, uh, I'll be, uh, at the end of this year, I'll be turning 65. There you, and you still hold on to that memory, yeah. to that thing, and you're able to, to share it. And, and I, would, I would say, hey, everyone, remember that day. Write that day in your Bible. You know, I know right today, not too much. We don't carry paper Bibles too much. But most Paper Bibles have have that little page in the in the first couple of pages, you know, where it says your mm-hmm. your conversion day. Well, your special dates in your and and that was one that I always put in there uh, in in my paper Bibles. But I wanna I wanna continue talking about about you and and dig a little bit deeper in, into your heart. So at this point, I would I would imagine you grew up in a Christian home. You continued uh, in that, but there was another i would i would imagine another mm-hmm. very important decision you know when you're going into into ministry how how was that for you well since we only have a few minutes here let me try to summarize this as clearly as i can first of all there are signal events in our lives mm-hmm. for all of us that are going to affect us and uh our walk with god our relationship with god is something that will be tested and become more real as we go through those, even though we don't like them at the time. When I was in my mid-teen years, uh, I had a younger brother, uh, just a year and a half old, who, who died after a tragic accident. And uh, for a, uh, a young boy, uh, this is a, an event that tests your faith, and it did. I, I, I remember um, going out behind our house in Portland, Oregon, and crying out in the night to a starry sky, God, why? And anybody who's done that knows that what you hear back is a deafening mm-hmm. silence. 
And it's that moment that you start understanding a little bit about faith. I'll revisit that in just a moment. But uh, I, I did have a period in my last year of high school uh, where I really doubted my salvation. Silly things. Uh, I mean, for most people, most Christians would say, well, that sounds silly. But if you've been through it, you know this is very real. I I started wondering if, uh, you know, did God hear me when I prayed? Or did I say the right words? Or did I believe enough? Or had I done something that had made God upset at me so that he would kick me out of his family? And all of those kinds of questions swirl around. And at that time, I had a a come-to-Jesus moment Mm -hmm. where I uh, understood that uh, what he had done for me was not a temporal thing, that it was a permanent, lasting thing, that there was nothing that was going to ever separate me from him. And, And for me, that was like a stake in the ground moment. Now, I did, uh, you know, people would say, well, you know, you lived a pretty sheltered life. I, I didn't ever go through times of drugs and, and crime or anything like that. But I want you to know that there are struggles for anybody, yeah. pastors, right on down to anybody who's been saved for more than a week. And that is, uh, I went to Bible college, but my faith didn't grow during those years. Uh, I went into jazz Piano. Uh, I really uh, loved jazz and jazz piano, and that became my major. But God used a, a, a crisis in my personal life and a relationship with a girl that I was thinking of getting, uh, I had uh, gotten engaged to. And when that dissolved, it was um, a moment where God got me, mm. finally. Because you can just have low-level resistance against God. And I had my life planned out, and God just waited. And then when I was broken and lost, that's when he reached out, picked me up. Uh, and I went to seminary, and, and there's more I could say, but uh, that's that's really how I ended up on the trajectory which led me to where I am today. I've been pastoring now for uh, and in pastoring and teaching for uh, over 30 years. So difficult times in our lives is is a, a place where God really is glorifying and is not we're not absent from God. He hasn't left us or turned his face away from us in the difficult times, but it's 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 really where God I, I would I could say it, where he is is molding us and preparing us the precursor the preparation for for what is for what is to come i i would i would like you to unpack that a little bit we do we do have a little bit of time and and talk about that that difficultness and how that prepares you for for that next step in your life well yeah the the famous saying i believe cs lewis uh, wrote these words that god whispers in our pleasures and shouts in our pains is so true. Why Why would Scripture say, consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials? Is God a masochist? No. What he understands is the same thing that my high school coach understood when he kept us running, even when we all screamed and said, my gut's hurting and I can't do this anymore. And he said, keep going, another set of stairs. Why? Because he knew that 
uh, I was a wrestler, and, and he knew that in the third round of the wrestling match, when the other guy got tired because he had pushed us, we would stay strong. And God knows that too. He knows that living in this world, uh, this is a battle. In fact, Paul in Ephesians 6 describes it as hand-to-hand combat. We're not on a cruise ship on our way to heaven. We're in a battle zone. True, the war is won. Jesus won the war on the cross and in his resurrection. But for us, as we live this life, the battle rages. And it does for every Christian. I, I just wish that every Christian would understand this. The grace of God is so wonderful. God is not in heaven like a, a, you know the old school principal or something, just waiting to see if you run in the halls and then snatch you up. He is actually nurturing you. Uh, earlier, uh, we were talking about uh, Joseph in mm-hmm. the Bible. And uh, uh, I've been preaching through the book of Genesis. And so I've, I've observed this amazing ability of God to do what Joseph articulates. In, in Genesis 50, he says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Now, notice here, it wasn't just an unfortunate thing that happened. It was a purposeful thing that happened. And these were the children of Israel, of Jacob. And so you might say in this way, God's people turned on another one of God's people. And you'd say, well, that's a total loser. Uh, That's the time to abandon ship. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. He used that event not only to sharpen and hone Joseph into a man of integrity and brilliant wisdom. He used it to save the Egyptians and the children of Israel from starvation. Now, that's a God of grace. He'll take the muck in my life and in everyone's life. And, and some will be listening right now and will be thinking, well, you don't know about my life. No, I don't. But God does. And God is the one who will take that and use that. And I'll just land this. Um, you know, I told you about I, I had a really rugged time in my high school years when my brother died. And I'll never forget, there was an event that happened. Uh, I was pastoring in Chicago at the time. And I was called to the hospital to visit a man who I hardly knew who was just about to die. And laying, uh, uh, he was laying on the bed, and around him were his family members, none of whom, as far as I know, even knew about Jesus. They just wanted a pastor there. Mm-hmm. And as I watched this man struggling for his breath and the agony of his family, I suddenly had one of those epiphany moments. Lord, I now know why I went through what I did 35 years ago. Because I can now look at these people, love these people, and say, I know how you feel. God can actually use even something that we think is of no good. He'll make it something good. Wow. That's a powerful testimony. This should give us insight into and patience with when we go to church 
and we sometimes uh, are, are rubbed the wrong way and uh, at church and we want to quit church and I don't go to church because they're all X, Y, and Zs. And, and, uh, but we need to remember the church is filled with hurting people, broken people. Criticizing church is like criticizing the hospital for being full of... I don't go to the hospital because all those people are sick. Of course they're sick. It's a hospital. And, and of course, you know, we have issues in churches. It's a church. And, and that's the very reason why we should go. I want to I transition a little bit and talk about the church. Tell me, tell me about the church. New Braunfels Bible Church uh, was born in 2004 or thereabouts. Uh, and I had been pastoring in uh, suburban Chicago and I came to lead this church plant uh, as as the pastor at that time. Uh, and in the last 16 years, uh, if there has been one word that would describe or that would be at the center, the beating heart of New Braunfels Bible Church, it would be the word grace. Uh, grace is we... We are convinced, and as I came to a group of believers who um, were strongly uh, in support of this idea, the idea that grace is misunderstood. Uh, Some people would say, well, uh, grace means that God will love you if you do the right things, and that's his grace, that he'll – and he'll – Maybe he'll even make you do the right thing so that uh, you can be one of his. Or other people will say, well, grace means it doesn't really matter what you do. And we say, no, no. In fact, Scripture says that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And then the very next thing it says is teaching us Mm. that we are to live holy lives and look expectantly for the return of Christ. Now, that... Uh, that reality is something that gives assurance on one hand and then a thank you motivation on the other. Uh, For example, let's say that I adopted a child and then I went to the child and I said, now I'll let you stay my child (laughs) as long as you behave. That child will not know love. He will know legalism. He will know law, but he will not know grace. And God, when we as hopeless, helpless sinners hear the good news, the gospel, that's what it means, of Jesus Christ, you know what happens? We, if we understand and we believe it, that means we are convinced this is true, so we believe it. At that moment, a transaction takes place inside of us. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in there, and now... Something that was impossible a moment before becomes possible. We can start to grow. Yes. And uh, that's, uh, that's what the NBBC, New Braunfels Bible Church, really stands for is grace. Where, where are you guys located? We're located on Loop 337 in New Braunfels, that's right. right across the road from Hoffman Floors. A lot of people know where that is, perhaps, as they drive by and, and see that sign. But... Uh, we have been in that uh, place for about 12, 13 years now. We can also find you on the Internet, com, And so if there's any question on how to locate you, we can we can locate you there. Uh, what time are the services? Uh, we have 
uh, teaching times for all ages at 9 a.m. It's fairly traditional. Yeah. Uh, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., half hour of uh, getting enough caffeine in you that uh, <laughs> you can keep going. But 10.30 uh, is the regular morning worship time. Now, let me ask you a question, maybe silly. Do I have to go in a suit and a tie and a bow no. tie? What's the dress code? Anything you want. All right. As long as you're dressed, uh, uh, you're welcome. That, that, would be a, uh, <laughs> that would be good. So, Pastor, won't you take a, a minute? We have 60 seconds. Won't you take a minute to invite us to church on Sunday? Well, I'd love to have uh, anybody who wants to have Bible teaching. That is what we are focused on. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago that I'm finishing a series in Genesis. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I will start a series on First Thessalonians. Um, there's a method to our madness. In a sense, we, we understand that there are topics in Scripture, but we are going to uh, teach God's Word. And when people say to me, uh, you know, that's what they really like, I just say, I've got great material. Hmm. God has written it in His Word. And as D.L. Moody used to say, uh, God wrote it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen. So, San Antonio, you are invited uh, to New Braunfels Bible Church. The great news is that there's a highway highway that goes to New Braunfels, even if you're in San Antonio or Austin or wherever you're at. So get there Sunday morning. And uh, San Antonio, God bless you and get to church. Be blessed. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM630 The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com.